welcome to the Deeper Dive podcast. Each week we take a deeper look at the text we covered in worship on Sunday. And we do that by discussing things like historical settings, literary context, the way others before us have read the text, and our own reflective approach to reading that same text. This podcast is a part of Calvary's Daily Connection, a place where Calvary shares something new each day to help you grow in faith. So we hope you check that out through Calvary's app or by going to connectwithcalvary.org. Well, today on the Deeper Dive podcast, we're looking at uh, Jeremiah, and uh, we spent Sunday uh, kind of taking uh, just a quick trip through some of the the points in Jeremiah's life and some of the ways that he um, encountered his situation and encountered God. And so today we're just going to continue to kind of explore that a little bit. Randy, uh, you, you've kind of got uh, a couple things that you want to hit um, this morning. What uh, what have you got? Well, there's a couple of things. I think sometimes reading the Old Testament prophets is a challenge because um, if you just read them back to back to back, it can get depressing or it can bring you to the place of maybe feeling hopeless. And the prophets speak in in such a mixture of warning or consequences, uh, which is often taken as judgment. they're not the judges. God's the judge. They're just the voice piece of warning more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And interspersed in that are these promises of God that uh, we have to be careful about just pulling the promise out and proof texting. Right. But on the other hand, we have to have, have to lift those up to a higher level so that we are not necessarily just beat upon and beat upon and beat upon. So... But there was a couple of things, um, a couple of things that I didn't get to yesterday. Uh, I read this, and I don't remember where I read this. I just copied these little notes down that said uh, uh, some of Jeremiah's charge uh, to the folks was their failure to love God was idolatry. We've talked about that one. This is the one that captured my attention. Failure to love others was immorality. When we uh, listen to the words in Deuteronomy as well as in Matthew, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus uh, puts in there also, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I guess I hadn't uh, or hadn't thought for a while that not loving my neighbor was immoral. My perception of immoral often has to do with uh, sexuality at some level or another. Uh, but that would be an interesting thought to run with about uh, immorality related to loving our neighbors or how we treat people or how we talk about people or getting into a level of even gossip or, or those kinds of things. Right, sure. And that seems to be echoed uh, at least in in Jesus' teachings in the New Testament where he uh, seems to not dismiss uh, a sexual immorality or sexual ethic, but that seems to be a little further down on his list, certainly just by the people that he, he speaks to, uh, you know, prostitutes, tax collectors, these kinds of, these kinds of things. Um, and he seems to elevate the what does it mean to, you know, be a neighbor, mm-hmm. I suppose, mm-hmm. um, and, and how you act toward, toward the other whoever they happen to be. So it seems to stand in the tradition of those prophets for sure. And yeah, look at how much time he spent on that in his teachings. Um, you look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, mm-hmm. and um, you know that, that was a pretty big deal because you can check off a list of laws to keep, <laughs> but um, 
loving others is much more difficult than keeping a list of of laws, um, and yet so much more important. Think so much of this. It's so hard uh, to measure relationship. Uh, it's so hard sometimes to get a real handle on what it means to be in relationship, especially when we're talking about God. It's much easier for Christians, and I'm, I'm using that word just a tad bit loosely, Christians, or even the church. Mm-hmm. It's much easier for us to look at the specific things of don'ts, harder to look at the things of do's, and we attach yeah. that kind of living, breathing faith to those kinds of don'ts. And if you don't do them, then you've made it, rather than if you do this, you understand what it is to be in a relationship with God. Right. It's that uh, kind of that old um, delineation between sins of commission, things that you act and, and do that are improper acts, and then sins of omission, things that you do not do but but should be doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's certainly easier to uh, measure or to to be quickly aware of um, things that you do that you shouldn't do, um, but it's much, much harder uh, to rifle through the the things that should be done that haven't been done. And, you know, honestly, in, in our uh, worship services, a lot of our um, uh, moments of confession, a lot of our prayers of confession uh, mainly sit in the area of um, sins of omission, things that we have not done that we should have done. And I think that's why um, initially it's so very uncomfortable um, for some folks is because that's an area that um, we don't often uh, drift into, mm-hmm. you know, in our own contemplation and our own reflective thought about our lives. We think about the things that we are actors in and not the things that we have neglected to mm-hmm. act in. Absolutely. And, you know prophets call us back to that. Yeah, they do. Uh, I think about, uh, and I don't have the scripture and I haven't read it this morning about the conversation Jesus had with the rich young ruler when he had, at least to his understanding, done all of the things that he should have done. Mm -hmm. And yet when Jesus says, give all you have to the poor, he says, "Uh, whoa, wait a minute. Um, and that's one of the things I think we, we struggle with. Uh, it's easier to criticize than to uplift. Um, right. I, I take a pretty uh, hard look um, at uh, um, the life of, of spiritual leaders in churches or in the general church or wherever that might be, and, and thinking that uh, it's easier for us to criticize about what doesn't get done rather than to lead people or teach people or train people. Uh, about the good things, because that's just harder to do, to develop that inner heart that's away from doing and more directed towards being. Sure. Um, and it's that being part that uh, uh, it's that being part that helps us in our doing. Um, but if we don't have that developed well, and, and again, it, you know, that's a really hard piece to try to capture and teach sometimes. Because it comes out as doing. Being in communion with the Father uh, moves into conversation about prayer, moves into conversation about, well, how do you pray and how do you pray right? And before you, lo- before you know it, we've got a bunch of checklists here once again rather than just what's in our soul. Sure. Yeah. So 
So I, I just found that to be really interesting. The failure to love others was was immoral. I was uh, thinking what other kinds of things um, would be then, in that sense, immoral, um, whether that's uh, how we treat uh, people who are different from us. That's tied in again with loving others. Uh, what are other immoral acts? Um, Again, folks would just uh, probably hate this one, but how we use our resources, mm-hmm. how we use our time. Is there anything we're doing that might be considered immoral in terms of simply uh, satisfying ourselves? Um, are there other, other places and ways that we, we ponder? And I haven't had a lot of time to think about that because I just came across that towards the end of the week. But that's just an interesting conversation. If there's some folks listening that have some insights, or in your prayer closet when you begin to think about this, God, am I immoral in some other way than just the typical thought of ways, um, I think would take us even deeper uh, into uh, introspection of where our soul is and where our health is. And when I um, am in my own prayer of confession um, and I say, God, reveal to me where I'm missing the mark, um, I, have to th- I have to start with my own thoughts because it's not just um, what we act upon, it's where our thoughts begin. Um, you know, a few weeks ago I, I preached about David, and when you look at um, his sin with Bathsheba, it started with a th- well. Started with a look, <laughs> and then it sure. started with a thought. Right. And so um, people will say, "Well, I, I can't control my thoughts." Uh, yeah, we can. Um, I mean, they fly through our brain, but we can control whether we feed those thoughts or whether we um, um, replace those with with others. Um, <clears throat> we look at, at pornography and. Um, uh, and those kinds of things, you know, that's certainly feeding those thoughts rather than um, putting our attention other places, um, right. thinking about what people have done to us and ruminating on 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 how mean they were to us or how unfair they were to us or how whatever they were to us, mm-hmm. rather than thinking about them as a child of God yeah. and, and their own lives. Right. Starting to entertain a conversation that's really only one-sided. Right. Since it's you. But, you know, I've often um, heard people talk about, you know, this, that thoughts are, um, uh, well, this picture of you standing next to maybe an interstate. Uh And so uh you've got a lot of cars Uh running by Mm -hmm. and the thoughts are those cars. you know, are you able to see those come by without having the desire to get into every one of those cars? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's a there's a distance that you can take um, be, because we are we are human in the sense that the way that our minds work and the way that we interact with the world, um, we are always perceiving something. Absolutely. Um, whether it's an internal and an interior perception or or an exterior um, perception, and so. We are, we are beings that see, we are beings that hear. Uh, and so what do we do with that? Um, I think, again, you know, Jesus takes that up a notch in the Gospels and says it's not just the final action that, mm-hmm. you, that you do, but it's how you deal with that in its beginning stages. And, um, you know, just because you see all these cars going by, well, you can't get in everyone, but do you even want to get in everyone? Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. The, um, that's the picture I think that's been helpful um, to me as, 
you know, as you think about how to deal with the issue of um, thought, perception, desire, all of these mm-hmm. different things is how do you entertain those mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to let them go, right. <laughs> to let them right. zip on by right? Um, and to not be too, too crazy about, oh, I saw, you know, a red Jeep there. Oh no. But yeah. To go, there went the red Jeep. Right. And now I'm looking for a different car. Right. You know, right. Um, right. Yeah. And, and I thought about the fact that, um, Randy, when you were talking about loving others, um, <laughs> we often will say all of these things and say, but I still love them. Um, <laughs> but our thoughts or our uh-huh. words don't reflect that. Right. Um, you know, I would, when my kids were little and I would punish them, um, it was hard for them to believe that I loved them in that time. I would tell them I loved them, but it was in my actions day to day um, that told them that I truly loved them. They weren't just words. Um, so, um, I, you know, we hear a lot today, especially today, um, about um, um just just hating people, just hating people, groups of people, judgment. I mean, oh my gosh, it's just horrible. Um, and, um, and yet we can very glimly say, but I love them. I love them all. Well, not if we're going to say the kinds of things that we say to people. We, we, we don't. Right. Yeah. There's an, there's an attitude or a posture mm-hmm. of the heart that, um, that's just misaligned, mm-hmm. I think, with that kind of speech. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been pretty, you're right, we've been pretty glib about that, I think, um, as of late, that, mm-hmm. you know, we can say some things, but really hold some other things back, you know, in our interior about what we really think about these things. Mm-hmm. But it, it doesn't work that way. Right, um, right. It doesn't work that way. Right. What else did you um, not get to yesterday, Randy? Well, um, I, one of the things that's been ever since we started this series, and it continues partly because of the, um, the, the the scenery of today in this country, is when do we get to the point that we learn from our mistakes and don't go back and repeat them? The children of Israel had the same sin repeated, and the sin was the, the, the first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. There was a reason I think that was the first commandment. Um, and why do we go back and repeat those? And and I've thought that over the years where if there was a financial crisis, my response is uh, – my human earthly response is not first to turn to God, but to turn to myself to figure out how I can fix it. Um, and then um, I usually end up turning to God because most of the time I can't necessarily fix it by simply working harder. I've fixed a few things by working harder, but the reality is it's caused other things then t- to happen. Um, and as I've watched my uh, spiritual life over the years, uh, that's for some reason my first response, no matter when it is, is to try to fix it myself. I'm getting better at going to God sooner, but why would I not go to God to begin with, whether it's finances or whether it's marriage or whether it's uh, relationships, broken relationships, strained relationships at the church, uh, and, uh, um, Maybe it's because we try to fix it ourselves. Maybe because we're not paying attention. Maybe because we let so much of of the world into our minds and hearts, and we don't even know that that's happening. 
those subtle messages that come, whether that's through the television or the radio or the words of a song or cooler conversations around work or whatever it is. But it's just interesting because uh, those are the same things we talk about yet today as idolatry. I mean, uh, we've become a little bit more refined in how we commit idolatry, but um, what does that mean for folks? Because I don't really think folks are bad people. They're just struggling somehow to get a victory over this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether we're not giving them enough tools to get the victory uh, or whether uh, – sometimes I just don't think we realize just how powerful the enemy is and trying to distract us. And I think the enemy mm-hmm. has succeeded well in distracting the church from the mission of sharing Christ, God's love sharing love for others, and we get so bogged down and embroiled in 25 million other things going on. Sure. Um, there was a, uh, a pastor. In fact, he pastored here at Calvary years ago, Paul Unger. He had <clears throat> been part of a new church start in on the north side of Peoria, and I can't – I think it was called Willow Hill. I yeah, can't remember. I but he was talking to some of us clergy one day, and he says, it was amazing. We used to set up in a school building on Sunday mornings, and we had enough help to set up all the chairs and the partitions, and we could have worship and Sunday school. And he said, and then one day we began to look around after we had a solid 200 or 250 people coming. He said, we began to look around for some ground, and then we began to look around at a building, and then we began to plan for the building. And he says, I saw this shift happening in people's focus and energy. And we shifted away from simply inviting people to Jesus, to who's going to build the building and who's going to take care of the building. And our strongest leaders, we put on that mm-hmm. and pulled them away from what got us to where we were. And um, I, I see that still as part of – Jeremiah didn't speak directly to that, uh, but I think that – there may be some prophets someplace else today that are, are speaking to that, mm-hmm. that we have to be ever so careful because we in this country are just enamored with our buildings. Uh, has that become our idol, even as Christians? Well, it's certainly become um, the things I think that we think will fix things. You know, like you said before, you know, we look at a crisis and we go, what will fix this? And uh, sometimes we go, well, let's try to fix it ourselves. And then if our fix doesn't work, then we go to God and we say, "God, fix it this way," um, and we still haven't right. uh, we still haven't let go of of does it even need to be fixed? I think is maybe a, a, even a question you could ask at that point. And then what does that fix look like? We're so slow to you know open our hands and and receive that that different view on um, on reality, and that's certainly playing out in all kinds of places uh, today. To to just not reorient what it means to, to fix something. We're very quick to identify what we think is broken. Um, we're very slow to identify with, you know, a broken and crucified Savior for sure. <laughs> right, right. But um, we are, uh, yeah, we still, we still want to do it our way, don't we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think about our, our kids and um, how many times have we talked to them about, you know, 
don't do it this way. I did it that way. Please learn from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. And yet they have to, we know in our head, they can't do that. They have to learn from their own mistakes. And so there is some developmental um, um, truth to that, that we have to learn through our own mistakes. But, you know, globally, why can't we learn from history? Why can't we learn from other people's, other groups of people's mistakes? But, but that's part of each person's development is, is, um, is having to go through that, um, and having to realize the consequences. And um, I think that that is part of why we keep making the same mistakes again as a society and as a, as a world. I think some of it's going through it. I think some of it, it has different faces to it. Right. And we sometimes don't recognize the face is the same um, or the situation is the same at what happened because the characters are different. Right. Uh, the time is different. Um, but, yeah, you know, I – I pray, Lord, help me, because I've learned things the hard way most of my life. Um, I don't know if that's from my German bullheadedness or whether it's just part of the razy nature. But uh, I think it's part of the human nature. <laughs> well, that's part of the human nature as well, yeah. But I, I pray often, Lord, help me, to, help me to grow by intention rather than grow by pain. Um, and, and if I spend enough time with him – that can be accomplished some days. If I don't, then um, I have a tendency to grow by pain. But it doesn't take long, I don't think, um, to have our attention whipped around to that next car coming down the freeway, especially if that car is, going back to Isaac's thought thought process, um, especially if that car is a bright, shiny, uh, flowing, you know, there's fire coming from it or whatever. Uh, um, you know, now, um, now I really don't want to get into it. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, yeah. Well, I guess we don't want to get into that car if it's on fire, but... Um, but but um, you know if that if that thing over there is a wonderful thing, then that takes our attention, even if it's momentarily, and and we don't even take the time to go back and say, "Is this godly?" It just gets our attention, and then pretty soon we're looking at it longer and longer, and that can be a thing that we are excited about, or it can be a thing that threatens us, and we get paralyzed by the fear of it. Um, and we can't get any further because something has our attention. And I know that I'm probably better at going to God when there's something I'm scared about than going to God with something I'm excited about. You know, mm-hmm. um, when you and I started dating, um, I was very excited about this Randy Razy guy. Um, and, you know, this perfect man, he's rolling his eyes. You can't see that, but he's rolling his eyes. <laughs> I can hear him. I can yeah, hear him. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I did go to God and say, you know, do you really want this to happen? Um, but I, I was going to – I'm not sure I would have listened to God. Maybe I would have if he would have said no. But um, but there <laughs> – Randy's got his eyes open like, what? Um, but, but during the times when I'm really scared, maybe it's because I have nowhere else to go. Maybe that's what it is. And I will go to God then when I'm just terrified. Um, 
and maybe it's after I've exhausted all the other options. I'm not sure. Um, but I think our human nature is to try to, to deal with it. And um, developmentally, that's what kids do. They've got to try to figure it out on their own. We're no different as adults. I mean, we, we pretend that we're all grown up and um, we're done developing. But, you know, that's, that's not necessarily true. We go back to our, our root nature and that is to try to, as, as we've said before, try to fix it, try to um, um, work our way through it. And it has the same results as you were talking about Satan kind of luring us in that direction. Um, um, we end up doing things our own way. Well, I'm just, I'm just grateful of God's patience. I know I have, I have threatened my kids countless times. If that's your decision, it's your decision. But you're on your own with your decision. And then when they figure out it's not the right decision and don't know what to do, and then I come back into the picture because that's a part of who I am as dad. I think God's the same way, although I don't want to demean God as just simply dad or mom. I, 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 he's much, much higher, and the relationship is different with him than that. Um, and, but I think that's some of the struggle is, is, and some of the grace and some of the glory, I think, is that God uh, continues to be patient with us. Uh, and the nine fruits of the Spirit in Galatians, uh, there's not one of those fruits that He doesn't practice towards us. And, and I'm really grateful. He doesn't ask us to do anything for somebody else that He's not already doing for us. Right. And I was going to say that, um, you know, that, that example of patience that gets uh, demonstrated uh, in Jesus, but also gets infused into our own lives as we, you know, seek to become uh, more like Jesus. Um, you know, I stray away from that word uh, perfection, but in our tradition, mm-hmm. that is that is one of the words that are right. that are used for that. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's being patient with those kinds of things. It's, you know, one of my favorite lines uh, in the New Testament from Jesus is his verb, consider, right? Mm-hmm. So he's, you know, especially when we're talking about these things about worrying, mm-hmm. um, that is one of the the big antidotes in terms of godly practices to worry. He says, consider, you know, mm-hmm. don't worry, consider this, consider that, consider the lilies of the field. They don't do this, they don't do this. So it's stopping to, again, it's, it's pulling away from that stream of cars and saying, you know, there's a there's a sense in where we uh, we can back away from that. We are able to do that. That is certainly a perspective that God has, and that we are able to have too when we when we embrace that. Through, um, I, I mean, the verb there is consideration. You could call it meditate. You could call it you know ruminate. Uh, mm-hmm. Any any of these kinds of things. But it's a, an intentional uh, slowing down of. Um, of your own mind and the the mind of the world around you and uh, saying, this is not the only way to see it, Um, which has been incredibly helpful for me. And I think, you know, tons of people Mm -hmm. throughout Christian history too. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I had a thought and it just escaped (laughs) me and it was a good thought. What kind of car was it? (laughs) Um, Well, it could have been a Corvette, but it may not have been. Um, One of the things that Randy does for me when I um, am am 
really upset or I have, have, have whipped myself into a tizzy or whatever, he'll just um, put his hands on my shoulders and look at me and say, let's breathe. Um, in other words, let's take a step back and breathe in the Holy Spirit and realize that there is more to this. And I would like to see us as a world take a step back and just breathe. And let's get perspective and um, let's let's look at Scripture. Let's look at, at who God wants us to be. And let's just breathe. Um, because right now we're doing a lot of um, throwing words and, and um, throwing attacks. And I just like for us to breathe. <laughs> consider always good yeah always good well our time is up uh for today as you can imagine um that lovely music just <laughs> drifting in again and again calling us to wrap up our acceptance speeches and <laughs> and move on um thank you for listening today um we'd love to keep that discussion going with you if you have uh comments or questions that you'd like to to throw our way we'd love to uh consider those um as always you can do that in a number of ways uh, you can follow the links um on the website or in the app or uh, in your podcast app um you'll find us you'll get there and uh we'll be back next week with a deeper dive into the life of ezra and nehemiah and until then grace and peace mm-hmm.